big part of our sort of uh, tactics was to try and keep him quiet and trying to limit him to as very few shots as possible. And although we scored on the day, uh, <laughs> there's people in the in the press box at the Brazil games. You just don't know what they're actually doing. Don't know if they're media at all. They're just walking around in Brazil jerseys. German players struck a blow for everyone being silenced by FIFA with a powerful pre-match gesture, but within hours found themselves staring on the barrel of elimination at the group stage for a third major tournament in a row. They'll either need to get something from the game against Spain on Sunday or hope Costa Rica can do them a favour against Japan, and given yesterday's results, it's hard to see which of the two looks less likely. Irish Independent Soccer correspondent Daniel McDonald predicted a Japan shock, although it wasn't one of the games that you managed to see yesterday, Dan. No, I mean, like, uh, just because I predicted a shock didn't mean I actually had the conviction to go and see it myself. Um, I'd, yeah, I mean, I, I had my first uh, seeing two games in one day uh, ever at a major tournament, as in in, in the flesh. Um, but as a result of that, it meant that, like, something had to give. So I was uh, Morocco, Croatia in the morning or 1 p.m. Uh, local time, but the, the 10 a.m. game in Ireland, I think, which is probably popular with people who are skiving off work. And then, uh, yeah, I had, I had the, the Belgium-Canada night game. Um, so, yeah, in between, I was back in the, uh, to be honest, I was back in my old mate, the media center um, for the Japan-Germany game, uh, took an into a bit of that Tony Cascarino recommended lunch, um, which came, Excellent. I must say, you have? With, with an extra, well, what did I have today? Um, I had a little bit of everything. I had a little bit of everything, but the real, uh, the real news today was, uh, and again, all in the context of, uh, Qatar, let's be as kind as we possibly can to everyone. You know, let's let everyone have a good time here. Uh, I, I paid for my buffet lunch and I was said, are you aware of the Oasis Garden Lounge, sir? And I said, what, what is the Oasis Garden Lounge? Um, the Oasis now would be, to me, would be a nightclub in Carrick Cross uh, growing up uh, back, in, back in the day. Um, but the Oasis Garden Lounge is apparently the place where... Uh, they're now serving drinks for the media and FIFA accredited staff and this like little the garden lounge the name would suggest is a garden lounge um so uh yeah apparently they're, they're even serving more than Budweiser there um so another classic example of the haves and the have-nots um and, and I have already heard anecdotal tales of some of the haves um going there to visit but not but not me I have to say I was getting back to work but that's beside the point uh, that yeah suddenly again they like the Argentina Saudi Arabia game um, where you sort of see the halftime score uh, and as much as I had a little bit of confidence in Japan, you sort of thought, oh, Germany have got a head here, maybe they're going to sort of strangle the life out of it um, but they didn't and um, that really in the context of the tournament creates this scenario where how quickly you can go from feeling your way into the tournament to staring elimination in the face uh, that's what Germany are playing Spain on Sunday, so it feels like the competition is sort of ignited in some ways today. Um, every game felt important, even the ones that maybe yeah. weren't as thrilling. Uh, there was a real sort of meaning to all of them. Yeah, there certainly was. I mean, I think Germany and Argentina both fell into a bit of a trap of playing against seemingly inferior opposition, going in at half time, one nil up, thinking, ah, we'll just keep this going now and, you know, we'll eventually get a second one. And they probably should have had a second one even before half time, both Argentina and Germany. And suddenly, I mean, it's the old John Giles truism that you can't turn it off and turn it on again. And that's, you know, Germany just, as soon as Japan changed their bit of shape and got to grips with Germany's left side, they didn't seem to know what to do in that game. 
Yeah, and I mean, I've seen some criticism, I think, of Germany's high line as well and how they operate. Um, and I suppose it's funny in the context of you, you spoke with uh, Pico Lopez. I know we're going to hear a little bit more from him on today's show, looking ahead to uh, two more of the African sides. But um, there, there is almost that sense of like uh, the execution of the high line that Saudi managed to do it. They lived on the edge and they were fine. Um, and Germany um, couldn't manage that. You know, it left them vulnerable. Um, yeah. And uh, I don't know. I was I was in Kazan four years ago when they went out to South Korea, and um, they sort of they were just they were run all over in the dying stages of the game. And there was almost just a, I felt like there was almost little parallels with that. And I mean, I was just making the point, just a piece for the uh, piece for today's paper. You know, like losing the first game in a tournament. I mean, it's pretty damaging like everyone talks about oh well spain did it and and then they won the competition in 2010 they just happen to be one of the best teams of all time and uh, yeah, I, was just, I think it's 18 percent or something like that. i think it's something like 18 percent of the team who loses the first the, the first game manages to get through from the group stage so it is yeah, a huge, a huge blow yeah to yeah i mean i looked at the, the four semi-finalists in 2014 and 2018 all of them won their first match in the competition and in fact of those eight teams the only one of them to lose a group stage game at all was England in 2018, and that was a dead rubber against Belgium when they were both through. So if you have designs of going far, the trends would suggest, I know stats are always there to be broken and all, and maybe Argentina maybe still have a chance because that Mexico-Poland group, um, you know, yeah. it can open up for them. But it's still, you're putting yourself under pressure early on. There was a bit of chat here Um Apparently, the, like the media in Argentina, the the vibe is that they were watching the uh, the Mexico Poland game on the bus afterwards, and the fact it finished in a draw like lifted their spirits a bit, and suddenly, you know, gave them a little bit of life that maybe all hope was not lost. But um, still, you know, Germany in particular now, because I think Japan will do a job in Costa Rica, so they're going to have six points probably and on the board. The fact that that's the first yeah. game as well. That's that's the thing. That's that's the first game on Sunday morning, um, and you know, so Germany will absolutely know what they have to do when when they go in against Spain. I guess another game you didn't get to see yesterday, seven goals in Spain and Costa Rica. Briefly, did you were you able to catch much of that? I mean, Spain looked Spain looked awesome. It's hard to judge against... I mean, I think if you were designing a team to play against Spain, it would be in the way that Costa Rica played, where they're trying to play their football and then giving it away and let Spain attack them. But they looked they looked pretty awesome. They did, yeah. Like you're always, you're wary of getting sort of caught up in it, you know, because Spain can be very, very good when they click, you know, and, and can you still envision a scenario in the tournament where Spain are against a more uh, a team who sets up to just neutralise them completely and they're playing side to side across the box or whatever? But the fact that some of the younger players are emerging, that it's the start of a new Spanish team. Um, I mean, look, with some of the teams in the competition. Like I saw Croatia earlier. I know we spoke about the refreshed elements of their squad, but still it's a familiar array of faces in certain departments. Even with France, you have that too. But like with Spain, you've got Gavi, you've got Pedri, Almo. Like you've got sort of new names you're getting to know. Um, yeah. And I mean, I suppose you look back at Euro 2020, they were, they were actually pretty good at the business end. They just, just couldn't score. Um, yeah. So they, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's probably the most... Uh, bland punditry of all time but you know i think spain have got a chance uh, i definitely think they've got a chance <laughs> yeah uh the other game uh the first game you're at yesterday morning may well be one of those things that maybe your journey to the game and your logistics around the game might be more interesting than the actual game the game itself you just briefly on on croatia i mean 
Modric did what Modric does and has done for you know fifteen years or as long as he's been around. But there was a real there was a real lack of quality in that game. Yeah, look, I'm still glad I went to it uh, up to Al Bayt Stadium, which is yeah a little bit of a trek. Although I think I think they are learning a little bit as they go on with this competition again, um, possibly because they were so unprepared with aspects of it that apparently it was a nightmare getting there for the opening game. But they, you know, there's only one real access road into the stadium, yet it didn't seem as bad this time um, getting in and out. Uh, it wasn't necessarily a terrific crowd there. Look, quite a few Moroccans. Like, listen, I know it was pretty a grim game watching it on TV, and I'm not saying it was that much better in the stadium, um, but there was a little bit of an energy around the Moroccan fans that even did a couple of counters towards the end. Like, it felt a little bit more like a tournament game. Um, Whereas you have a, like a manufactured element to the atmosphere, let's be honest, around a lot of these games. But that felt quite authentic a little bit to Canada fans later in the day. And that does add to the experience. Um, I, I enjoyed watching Modric, I always do. Um, but your basic point is, 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 is right. You know, I'll probably do something around Modric again maybe later on. And, um, the Canada game, the day. Then, sorry, the, um, the Canada fans that you, you mentioned there, I mean, they nearly had something to shout about. I mean, I saw a statistic on BBC afterwards that Canada actually had more touches in the opponent's box uh, and more shots than Spain did in their game. I think they had they had nine different players who had a shot on goal, but at the end of it, it was Belgium who came through, and it was almost a smash and grab from Belgium in the end. Yeah, like it's a big long punch through the middle to to do a job on them. Um, Canada were great, you know, and sort of speaking to a couple of people here, like. Um, you know, Kevin Caban's working here for Canadian TV, lives there now. Uh, there's a guy, Joe Callahan, an Irish journalist who's based in Canada. Mm-hmm. They all fancied uh, they all fancy Canada. And it wasn't sort of, you know, we, we can always have that green-tinted glasses around things. I remember some people fancying Ireland to go far in Euro 2012. But like this was, like, well-founded, you know, and they just played with real energy and enthusiasm, and they just relished the moment. And I felt really sorry for them. The shot count was maybe inflated by... Some, some um, wild, wild, wild <laughs> stuff later on. It sort of reminded me of watching Ghana back in the mid two thousands, where they'd sort of shoot from anywhere. They'd have, like, they'd have around forty shots a game or something. But in fairness, this didn't. Uh, it's not. It doesn't present a misguided picture of the game uh, to to cite those stats and say that Canada were very unlucky. They are. The only problem for them is they play Croatia next. So uh, I actually think in our preview we probably ran through that group. That could be the best group. That actually could be the best yeah. group in terms of the the competition. Maybe it can go it could go another way now with Belgium with the points on the board if they were to beat Morocco. But I just have a funny feeling. I think they were the two games where like where both games in the group were like really tightly contested. Um, and I, I saw I wouldn't be sort of like looking ahead on the the wall chart and and plotting where teams may be. I think. Uh, both Morocco and Canada can really cause problems for for Belgium and Canada in, in the reverse fixtures at the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. They they were they were the two kind of lesser lights of of the of that group. Impressed, although another another stuff from last night that was Belgium's eighth consecutive group victory in a World Cup, which I think equals Brazil. Um, from you know the, that's that's the the company that uh, Belgium are keeping without the, without no pun intended on that, but. Just moving into today's game, Dan, we're going to look at just Cristiano Ronaldo. And, you know, three weeks ago, I think was the last time we saw him play when he played, well, he was there anyway, whether he played or not, playing for uh, Manchester United against Aston Villa. For a player as decorated as he is, I mean, he got what he wanted, as he tends to do when he's out of Manchester United now and he's a free agent. 
there's a bit of pressure on him though today. I mean, there's always focus on him, but there seems to be a bit of pressure on him too as well. Yeah, no, I am going to that game. So hopefully I'm at the game that sort of delivers um, maybe the story of the day. I mean, I mean, we probably didn't even mention it enough yesterday, just like the extraordinary day, like all this stuff that was going on in the World Cup. And then you have the, the Ronaldo news and the Glazers um, thing happening. Like there was sort of uh, some of the English-based lads walking around here with sort of steam coming out of their ears, you know, like just... Pep Guardiola this... signed a two-year contract as well, the two-year that barely yeah, made a like just... Paragraph in that, please, yeah. Like, and, and that's mm-hmm. the thing. Um, like... Ronaldo, like I mean, we know that he he'll find the headlines even if he if he doesn't deliver them. Um, but there is pressure. I mean, we probably have a first-hand knowledge of Portugal from from watching Ireland play against them. I think we mentioned the preview. Like, didn't do much in the game. He still scored twice. And Portugal, the way they're structured, is still very much built around them. Um, and I mean, almost the, the the repeat of those Manchester United debates of would they be better if he wasn't there, even though it's obscene to say it about your best ever player effectively so um ghana again i'm 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 maybe like i'm i'm more inclined to listen to the expert advice of uh you know you spoke to pico lopez about about the african side so maybe he can fill in some of the gaps for us around that yeah absolutely and that that portugal game kicks off at four o'clock today and as you said, Cameroon also got the campaign underway against Switzerland. That's at 10 o'clock this morning. And earlier, I caught up with Shamrock Rovers and Cape Verde defender Pico Lopez to get the insight of someone who played against Cameroon in the African Cup of Nations and also had some good things to say about Ghana as well. Pico, are you looking forward to seeing uh, Cameroon in action? You obviously played against them back in January. What are you expecting from them? Yeah, I'm looking really forward to, to watching Cameroon. I think out of all the African teams, they're my favourite to really do some damage in the tournament and probably go go pretty far. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing them because I think they had a great uh, AFCON. Um, it was their, their their host tournament, so they were the host. And uh, they were just they were just brilliant, I thought. They had a real togetherness about them, uh, along with quality. Um, I know uh, Sammy Lethe was now the president of their football association there, and he seems to have generated this real belief and confidence about them. So I'm looking forward to seeing them kicking off the, the World Cup campaign and, and how far they can go in the tournament. You've obviously got a tough group, tough group with uh, with Switzerland and Serbia and Brazil. Do you think, in some ways, that that might suit them in the sense that they like they they, they wouldn't be if you like expected to win those games? Everything would kind of be a battle in, in in that. Do you think those the tough games will suit them in some ways? Yeah, I think so. I, I think they'll fancy themselves as well. Like uh, I think if you look at the, the players that are in the squad, they've they've got some big stars. They've got Andre and Greasy that. That plays over in Napoli. You have uh, uh, Abubakar, who's, who's a big, um, a big personality for them, and they've got a really good spine of the team. The goalkeeper Onana playing for Notts Forest, so I think I think he's a very good goalkeeper. Um, and they've they've got a real good spine of the team, and they won't be afraid of anyone. Um, and it's say like, it, it's a tough group, but I think everyone will be looking at that group thinking we can, it, it'd be hard to make it a win or points here. And I think Cameroon will fancy themselves in any game. And from obviously your own experience of playing against them, like, is there any, you know, without giving away too many dressing room secrets, was was there anything in particular that was said in your dressing room at Cape Verde before the game, where you know areas that you could target them, or areas in particular for to watch out for? Areas to watch out for, definitely. I think uh, as, as I mentioned earlier, Abubakar he's a real talisman to them, and he always seems to to get shots off, and more times than not, they they lead to goals. So a big part of our sort of. Uh, tactics was to try and keep him quiet and trying to limit um, him to as very few shots as possible and we, we although we scored on the day uh, <laughs> we, we, we we did manage to keep his, uh, his shots uh, 
fight down. But then you have other threats uh, with Toko in Kambe. It was it was, it was uh, unbelievable in that tournament. He makes some really dangerous runs and stretches you. Gets across the goal for, for crosses as well. I suppose one thing we tried to we tried to hit them on the counter, trying to avoid the pressure on, and then be brave and uh, like when, when we overturned the ball, trying to get down the sides them, and then uh, we managed to get a goal from that as well. So uh, they although they, they pose a real attacking threat, there is moments where you can get them. Yeah, yeah, uh, and then just moving on to Ghana, then they had a similar kind of not not quite as. Uh, if you like, as as, as dominant a, a qualifying where they came through, they had they got through on goal difference in their in their group, and then they beat Nigeria on away goals, able to go through. Um, what would you be expecting from them when they face Portugal today? Yeah, like it, it's a it's a bit of a surprise. I say, I looked at the at the Ghana squad in, in the Afcon and in the World Cup qualifiers, and thought to myself, they they should be doing almost better than what what they did. They looked as as you say, it looked like they were struggling to get out of that group at times and. The players that they have suggest that they should be doing a little bit better. But um, just going on, on seeing them in, in previous World Cups, when it comes to this stage, uh, they usually perform really well and a bit of a surprise package um, and, and a dark horse, if you will. Like as I say, um, they're a really strong team. They're, they're really physically uh, good up and Galatia and they're a match for anyone on that day. Um, and I think it'd be a really difficult game for Portugal. I fancy Portugal to do well in the tournament as well. But uh, it'd, be, it'd be a hard game to start them off with. You were setting up yourself in terms of Ghana, in terms of Ronaldo, would be the sort of thing that I mean, we saw Saudi Arabia were very successful in kind of the high line. Would that be the sort of thing you'd be trying with? You know, if Ronaldo's not, if you like, not as quick as he was, but he's still very dangerous, is it the sort of thing where they'll try and put pressure on and have high tempo and try and not let the likes of Bernardo Silva or Bruno Fernandes get their head up and pick out a pass? Do you think? Yeah, I think so. I look, I think Portugal have that much quality in the team that if you sit off them and try to try and defend your box and play a low block, they have the quality to pick you off. And if Ronaldo's allowed in your box, if he gets a sniff of a chance, he usually puts them away. So I think you have to be brave. Um, I think every game in the World Cup, you have to be brave here and, and try and attack teams and, and try and go win the game, especially in the group stages, because I think the, the first win in the group, uh, the first game in the group, you get your first win, three points on the board. It goes a long way in terms of of getting out of the group, um. So yeah, I, I hopefully I I'd like to see it be better for the tournament, better for the game as well. If, if Ghana had a right go off Portugal, and just finally, uh, we saw Senegal uh, play Holland and you know ultimately ultimately lost out. What did you think of their performance? Obviously, without Mane, they're a very different uh, a very different outfit to the one you would have faced at the at the beginning of the year. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, to be fair, they actually probably played better. Uh, the night against uh, Holland um, and they played against us um, although they had the star quality that is, is Mane and he's an unbelievable player they kind of over relied on against mm-hmm. us and they kept trying to, to utilise him and, and hope a bit of magic came from, from him to spark a bit spark, spark the, a bit of inspiration and, they, and win the game I thought yesterday they actually did quite well as a team they probably played a little bit better help without really probably hurting Holland as much as, as they, they probably should have or maybe a bit naive not to, um, and at the end of the day, I think uh, Holland's two goals were probably down to mistakes by the keeper, which again I was surprised at because he's a, a really top keeper, uh, Mendy. Yeah. Um, but um, I think they gave a good account of themselves, and I think they show that they, they will be a match for uh, people in the group going forward. They just need to believe themselves and probably not wait to take the initiative. Yeah, they're back in action tomorrow against Qatar. Would you fancy them to to bounce back in that? Given obviously, given how how poor Qatar were against Ecuador and then maybe, you know, leave themselves effectively with a, a, a final against against Ecuador in the final game? 
Yeah, I think so. And especially as well, coming off the back of a loss, they they, they had to go for a win, really. Um, I think Qatar were, were really poor against uh, Ecuador in that first game as well. So maybe they can they can smell blood or they might be expecting a, a reaction from Qatar to kind of say, well, we need to perform a little bit better. So it might not be the easiest games, but I think Senegal need to go in it knowing that they have to win to have any chance of getting out of the group. And hopefully we see that attack inside of them. Hopefully so. That's great, Pico. Thanks very much for joining us. And hopefully we'll speak to you again later in the tournament. No problem, mate. Speak to you then, pal. Thanks very much. Okay, so as you heard, Pico's expecting good things out of Cameroon this morning when they fa- when they play Switzerland. And the other game in that group is this evening when Brazil get going against Serbia, who, I mean, Ireland fans are familiar with how good Serbia are. I know that Stephen Kenny and the Ireland squad were particularly impressed by Serbia when they played them in the group. Yeah, they were. I mean, I know there's the question mark around Mitrovic, but yeah, like they've just got really good attacking players and like variations and uh, options they have. Like, you know, they've sort of Tadej, Milinkovic, Savic, um, and uh, but but strangely, like Mitrovic is still the focal point of that side. Mm-hmm. Like it's sort of like like Portugal in a strange way. I was going to um, say, yeah, like yeah but just but just he's been more effective for them, or or we'll see. Um, and it's always a buzz around Brazil. You know, it's actually, it's one game you're seeing people are just getting rejection letters everywhere around the media centre that can't get into the game. Um, yeah. But the nature of these things... They can stay and eat the buffet, though. Yeah, well, this is it. But, like, the press room, but then you say, I mean, you talk about people having the buffet. There's people in the in the press box at the Brazil games. You just don't know what they're actually doing. You don't know if they're media at all. They're just walking around in Brazil jerseys. Um, I don't know, is it, like, the Brazilian version of, like... Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to study the name of entertainment columnist, but it sort of feels like it's a it's the whole it's everyone in sort of Brazilian strands, or even just fans of Brazil from other countries who all just get accreditation and turn up at their games. Like it really is genuinely quite hard to get into to the Brazilian matches. So I just decided not to bother. Um, it's a bit like maybe a bit like the old Oasis nightclub, you know, like you're not going to face the rejection if you don't try and go. Um, but I, I, in terms of like their presence for the competition, like we spoke about. Um, how Argentina like bring a lot of life to it, and it's a bit of a disaster for Qatar that they've lost their opening game. They'll sort of be praying, I think, for Brazil to ignite. They're not as visible around the place that I've seen, and I haven't necessarily been around the city too much. But may- and maybe some of them are just arriving later because their game started later. But there's no doubt that there's just there's a bit of glamour with Brazil that they'll be hoping. And I mean, this could be the best game technically of the opening round yeah. of games in the sense that I think Serbia are a pretty good side if they bring their A game to the table. Um, and I, I suppose um, that's just a little question mark around them uh, because on a good day, they can be very, very good. And as we've seen, if a bigger yeah. team isn't at it, um, they can be turned over. Yeah, I think Spain you know, would have taken heed from Argentina and, and Germany. I think you could see... You could see Brazil doing the same thing with that. Like, you know, the Neymar is, it's hard to say Neymar is coming under the radar, but there's been so much talk of, of, of Ronaldo and and Messi that, you know, the, the Neymar factor isn't what it has been in the past couple of World Cups. No, it hasn't. Um, I Like, you know, you can engage in some kind of amateur psychology and say maybe this is a good thing for him, you know. Maybe, maybe that's just our view of it and, like, they're getting Brazilian media and it's absolutely manic around them, and that may be the case. I mean, I know, like, the Brazilian team recently, a lot of them seem to be quite engaged around the election and all of that, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, like, they've had probably a, 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 a sort of a busy enough period in their own lives, but 
I know what you're saying in terms of the general global consciousness that hasn't been hasn't been as much uh, Neymar chat. But um, again, I suppose the thing about Brazil and why people fancy them is that he's not quite the focal point of their team. He's a very important cognate. But actually, the big question is like how to use the other players around them, whether it's like Richardson or Vinicius or uh, what way they try and do things. So I'm looking forward to watching that game. Um, yeah. But I, I think maybe, yeah, it's good, good days football, I think, for people across the day. Absolutely, yes. It looks to be as high a quality, quite, quite, excuse me, as high a quality a day as, as there has been. We'll go into our much-loved predictions now, Dan. And as far as given you gave Japan the, gave Japan a shout, we might we might start with you on, on the the first game tomorrow with Switzerland and Cameroon. Should we go for that? Oh, I'm going to go express predictions here. I mean, I I respect Pigo's view, but I still fancy Switzerland two one. I've been swayed by Pico. I'm going to go with, with a one-all draw on that in in that game. Um, okay. We follow with a game, game we haven't mentioned. We can come back to both of these teams later on. Uruguay and South Korea, hopefully with uh Min Son involved. Yeah, um, I know uh, one or two lads are now going to that game. I'm like, that could be a good one. That could be a sleeper game tomorrow in terms of being one of the more entertaining ones. Um, I spoke a little about Uruguay beforehand, like, you know, a, a sort of an obvious dark horse to pick out. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe a one-all draw there for me. I'll go for a 1-0 Uruguay win uh, with some good... Good old-fashioned Uruguayan defending to see out the game. Um, Portugal, Ghana. I'm going to go for a draw again here too. I'm just not mad on Portugal at all. Maybe it's just from seeing them in qualifying and I could be actually allowing that to cloud my, my, my judgment too much. Um, but, I mean, they looked out. They ended up having to play North Macedonia rather than Italy. I don't think they would have beaten Italy, although, I mean, Italy lost to North Macedonia. So, I mean, maybe that's a ridiculous point. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, maybe Chris Hutton's Ghana, as they should be christened, like Damien Duff, Shelburne. Yes. Um, Chris Hutton's Ghana uh, might be able to to get a draw there. I think I, I think Portugal might just I could see Ronaldo just have say as he tends to do the uh, maybe a two one victory for Portugal. The last game of the night as we discussed Brazil and Serbia. Uh, Serbia, I think I said in the preview show, my kind of dark horse for the tournament. I'm going to tend to get a two two draw in this game. Oh, I'd like a two all draw in that match. I, I, mean, I don't know. I, Serbia can be very good in qualifying sometimes. They don't always bring it. Now, again, you're sort of engaging in national stereotypes there in some dramatic way, but um, maybe a narrow a narrow Brazilian win for me, 2-1. Thanks for that, Dan. We'll see how we go. We might do a predictions table, uh, see how we go after the first round of games. We can con- compare, look at where we went wrong and the many places where we yeah, went listen, wrong. Yeah, I'll, listen, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be up for that if I'm winning it. Uh, otherwise, Absolutely. we'll just pretend. <laughs> politely pretend that this that this was never actually discussed. Be happy with that. Good stuff. We'll be back tomorrow anyway to uh to see how we went. Thanks for listening. Um I made no hara and that was the Indo World Cup. And please subscribe if you haven't already and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Mm-hmm.